Welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays by the Produce Industry Podcast, your weekly download on supply trends, category updates, brand awareness, and what's hot in the market. Join us each week from San Francisco Bay, California, as we cover all aspects of the produce supply chain industry. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Dan, the Produce Man. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh from the Field Fridays on this lovely, lovely last Friday of April 2023. Today's Fresh from the Field Fridays is brought to you by the Produce Industry Podcast and sponsored by Buck Naked Onions, Equifruit, the only banana you should buy. Sunrays, the snack with impact. And the Dole Food Company. Yes, folks, I'm Dan the Produce Man, and today we have a very special guest. Everyone in the fresh produce industry over the years has heard of Chef Tony Marola. And for those who haven't yet, he's a big name in the fresh produce industry and food industry. He's worked in marketing, sales, and other roles for different organizations all over the U.S. He's a master at coming up with recipes that are both innovative and easy to make, and everyone in the food industry loves him for it. He's definitely a man who knows his stuff, and he's an inspiration to everyone who works in in this field. So, Plus, Chef Tony has his own companies and, and own products, and also Chef Tony has been a regular guest on my old radio show, The Produce Pair, for many years that I did with Guido the Gardener. And today, we're very happy to have with us Chef Tony Marola. Tony, welcome to Fresh from the Field Friday. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. It's great to be back, and it's nice hearing your voice. We haven't spoken in a very long time. and But uh, it's wonderful to be back. Absolutely. Likewise, my friend. So, Chef Tony, I mean, you have done so many things in the fresh produce and food industry over the years. I mean, you have put together programs, you've done sales and marketing, you have created products, taking regular produce items and coming up with all kinds of different recipes and things. I mean, you've done a heck of a lot in the food industry over the years. Well, it's been many years, a little over almost 40 years. Uh, that, you know, I've been a chef for 60 years and got into the uh, produce industry uh, basically with Calabo Growers, the avocado folks, and then with the California Avocado Commission. And then there was a score of other companies that I worked for and actually even changed the name of some products that weren't selling well. So it's been a an experience um, that um, kind of joyful when you're dealing with food and you know my whole passion is food and fresh produce basically plays in a huge role in in what i do in the food industry oh yes absolutely and you also have your own products as well the mustard kraut and some grilling sauces and some tomato sauces as well what else do you have going on well we've we've had barbecue sauces salad dressings and what I try to do is take the freshness of a product and try to put it in a bottle without putting a lot of gobbledygook in the bottle to mess it up. And we've done that. We've made it as natural and as pure as we possibly could. Tomato sauces being 
uh, one of the things that I love doing, as well as barbecue sauces. And uh, those items are a lot of private label items for a lot of different companies. Uh, we created a tomato jam, and you mentioned uh, mustard kraut, yeah. mustard and sauerkraut in the same jar. And those type of items, uh, we private label them now with other companies' names on it. I know when you had your retail store, you actually did a great job selling mustard kraut. That was a, a wild a wild thing, and some lady was stuffing uh, eggs. She loved stuffed hard-boiled eggs and used sauerkraut, the mustard kraut, as the main ingredient was kind of cool. Yes, absolutely. It was a great seller in, in my store, and uh, we we loved having it. Yes, and I filmed filmed that lady at the counter. She had a special message for you. Keep making the mustard kraut. That's for sure, Chef Tony. I'll never forget that. It was great. <laughs> yes, she did. Yes, she did. That's <laughs> uh, good stuff. Okay, so you do a lot of private label on these items. But is there also your label, Chef Tony's, that people can buy as well? Well, only the only a name that I have a private label or a Chef Tony label would be on my mustard kraut. Uh, that's the only product that basically we're still selling under the Chef Tony Marola banner. I've slowed down a little bit. Uh, Chef has um, hit the ripe young age of 84 years old, but I'm still working, nice. believe it or not. And I feel good about that and still keeping up with um, the things that the industry is doing. And the pandemic didn't slow me down. And hopefully we can keep doing what we do. Absolutely, Chef. You know, I, I, I tell you, it's, it's funny. I tell people that I have been in produce for 47 years and that I love it so much that I'm going to go another 47 years. So don't you slow down a bit, brother. <laughs> Absolutely not. And. One of the things I'm working on right now with a lot of requests from folks is that, you know, people got away from cooking for a very, very long time. And then the pandemic came and everybody was stuck at home for almost two years. And so cooking became the mainstay of a family. People get back into the kitchen. And of course, now what we're trying to do is make recipes easier and less expensive with the the price increases with um, uh, torrential rains and snows destroying crops in California, Texas, and Arizona. We basically sat down and tried to create inexpensive meals using produce as the main ingredient so, and, and keep the cost down so that people feel good about it. And, and they're back in the kitchen, which is a fun place to be. Absolutely, Chef Tony. That is a fun place to be. It's a great family place. It's a great place for uh, single uh, folks as well, for couples. It can be a romantic thing. It can be a great family fun thing. Uh, there's nothing like getting in the kitchen with folks and coming up with creations. Well, that's the fun part of it. And then the fun part of it is to open up your refrigerator door and pluck out a few things and say, hey, I can make a meal out of this. And and again, a little bit of, of, of creativity. And it's easy to generate a recipe basically without a recipe. Hey, it's right in front of me. I can do this. I love that. A recipe without a recipe. That's fantastic. So some of the items that you've been working on lately 
for folks in the kitchen? Just, uh, you know, seasonal items, things that are in season now. Do you have any tips for our consumers out there, what they can do real quickly, say, with uh, asparagus or things that are coming into season? All right. Things like asparagus, which I'm running really, really right now, uh, and I know that you have educated your your the folks that um, listen to your broadcast as as well that asparagus take a good look at them make sure they're nice and fresh make sure they're not bent over or discoloration up on the top of of the head of the asparagus uh, wash them really really well snap the fiberish part off the bottom and you can either snap it off or you're not comfortable doing that, then you just take a paring knife and cut off about an inch on the bottom where the where the hard part is. Put them in a baking dish, keep them dry, salt and pepper, uh, touch of olive oil, and the magic ingredients would be very, very simple. Just a light touch of Parmesan cheese mm. and then into the oven, let it bake for about 15 to 20 until 15 to 20 minutes at 350 degrees and just make sure you get a light character brown on it and that's what you're looking for that light brown glaze on the asparagus and what that is i call it character it adds flavor and it basically keeps the asparagus still with that little bit of bite because that's what you want you don't want the mushy you want that snap to them oh boy that sounds fantastic you, you could eat that whole thing like a bag of chips i tell you oh 100 percent. it's a great snack food <laughs> absolutely in front of the tv my wife and i do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> of course you know i it's funny you know as our uh, asparagus acreage dwindles here in california a few weeks ago i had uh, some guys from victoria island asparagus on in uh, on the on the podcast and i had stopped by there on my way back from going out to the valley, and I saw this big banner that said asparagus is back. They had stopped growing it in 2015, but then they, they brought it back this year, just 10 acres to sell at their stand. And right. I tell you, I picked up a whole bunch of that asparagus because there's nothing like the flavor of just fresh-picked asparagus. And now's, now's the season. And we have a whole lot of other things coming up as well. We have st- stone fruit starting. Uh, we'll have some cherries if the blossoms weren't all washed off, some apricots, and then, of course, the, the early peaches and nectarines will start. So we're on our way to some really good stuff. Yes, we, our farms have suffered some severe setbacks, but there are items that are coming to the table that we can work with. Definitely, and stone fruit was um, stone fruit is a very favorite uh, fruit item for me. I, I worked for the stone fruit people for many, many years, trying to develop different recipes and trying to give people different ideas on what to do with a nectarine or a plum or, or a peach. And, uh, or, you know, peaches, when they're in season, just take a fresh peach, peel it, cut it, dice it, slice it, and add a little bit of sour cream to it, and you got a great Great dessert. And it doesn't take much more than that. Less is more in in an item like that because you've already got the sweetness of the peach in in the product or the nectarine or the plum that you're using. Use that sweetness and not add any sweetness to it. Get the full flavor of the fruit uh, into you with just a a dollop of 
of sour cream or whatever makes your heart dance. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Hey, gotta love it, Tony. And some uh, some other of your sp- favorite spring items would be? Uh, I like a lot of greens. I like a lot of lettuces. I'm very into uh, salads and different style salads. I mean, I, I love the classic Caesar, but there are so many other things that you can put into a salad. Uh, believe it or not, you can add an orange, a peel a navel orange, tomatoes are absolutely dynamite. But again, I, I inform people, please don't put your tomatoes in a refrigerator. <laughs> put them in a brown paper bag for a few days. Keep watching them. Get them to the peak of flavor. And again, the profile of the tomato lends itself to the salad, where now you have to use less salad dressings or maybe take a lemon, use a little lemon juice, a little lime juice with a touch of olive oil, and you got a salad with salt and pepper. Oh, there you go. That, that's perfect. That That is a, a perfect dressing, the lemon and lime juice and a little bit of olive oil with the salt and pepper. Absolutely. Chef Tony, you have cookbooks. Are your cookbooks still in circulation? Can people still get them? Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. No, it's out of, it's out of print, you know, uh, uh, Floribian flavors, which is all about tropical fruits and vegetables. It's not in circulation anymore, but you can basically Amazon still has it for sale on Amazon and other book websites. Uh, it's still out there. It's still out there being sold. I don't know where they got it from, but it's there. Floribian flavors. I'm glad I have my autographed copy still that's for sure thank you dan all right folks you heard it from chef tony we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors and we'll be right back Welcome to Equifruit, an importer and marketer of fresh bananas. Equifruit is committed to 100% fair trade, which means no crummy wages, super safe working conditions, and nothing but love for the ladies. Driving innovation through impossible to ignore merchandising, Equifruit is the only banana you should buy. Everyone, we have an APP out on a buck naked onion. This onion is produced by Owyhee Produce, so we have to be on the lookout. Whether you're a retailer, food service distributor, or a wholesaler, this onion is whole, it's hearted, and it's buck naked, everyone. To all you civilians out there, please, let's catch this buck naked onion. All right, folks, we're back with Chef Tony Marola, the produce chef. I tell you, I love having you here on the podcast, Chef Tony. As I said before, Chef Tony was a regular guest on the Produce Pair radio show, and to have him back on the podcast is, to me, is it's like getting together with old friends, that's for sure. So good to have you. Chef Tony, you have things up on social media, right? People can follow you. Yes. Facebook, yeah. Facebook, okay. And the Facebook is just called Chef Tony, or what's it called? Chef Tony Marola. There you go. <laughs> Can't get any easier than that, that's for sure. And yeah, that's right. Y- you've been painting a lot lately, so that I see your other passion. I mean, some beautiful pictures. I mean, you sent me a picture the, the other day of this fish that was just mind-blowing. Yeah, of trout, yeah. The, <clears throat> what happened here is my daughter, bless her heart, just before the pandemic, as the pandemic was hitting, 
and we're finding out that now we we have to stay in and um, we're stuck at home, uh, brought me a little box, a little paint set, two paint brushes and a pad and a, and a, a book of, of paint pad to paint on. And I said, what's this for? And she said, dad, you should go back to painting. I don't want you in the kitchen 365, 24 hours a day, because that's where you'll be. So why don't you create a new hobby for yourself? And so I sat down and started to paint. And a couple of paintings went into the shredder. But uh, other than that, I started to paint and started to take uh, lessons on YouTube. You can actually, folks, you can take a free watercolor painting lesson on YouTube. It doesn't cost anything. It's kind of cool. It gives you technique. And again, chefs love different techniques and uh, the way to paint a tree or a bird. And I love painting birds. And it just blossomed. In fact, some of my roosters, kitchen, I call them magic kitchen roosters, are in restaurants in New York City now. And it's kind of fun. Well, it sounds fun. And boy, you are really good at at these, that's for sure. The rooster, though, the rooster has a legend behind it. Can you explain to us what the what the legend of the kitchen rooster is? Oh, yeah, sure. The legend basically started back in Italy, in the northern part of Italy, and the Medicini family, I think, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, basically created this legend when a group of men tried to assassinate the head of the household. But walking through the grape fields, the roosters started to chime and started to make a lot of noise, which spoiled the assassination. (laughs) And then it became that the rooster became a a hero and people started to hang pictures of roosters in their homes. They started to do porcelain rooster, water pictures, candlesticks, and the rooster basically became a symbol of good eating, good health, and and that basically went off to the Chianti area of Italy, where the black rooster is the symbol and logo on Chianti wines. And that was a little bit different. That legend is that two families were fighting over a piece of property and they wanted to divide the property up, but couldn't find a way to do it. And they didn't want to go to battle or war. So what they did is they took two horsemen and two roosters. The first rooster that woke up that morning to make a lot of noise to send his rider uh, on this race around the property. So it was the first horseman that went around the property and won the race, and that was the black rooster. (laughs) The black rooster crowed prior to the white rooster, and why? The black rooster was very hungry. They kept him without eating for a while. Wow. And that was the legend. So it's kind of it's kind of a fun thing to 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 look into. Oh, that is in, it's very interesting. And so your roosters are hanging in different restaurants in New York City. Forget the kitchen witch, folks. The rooster is the way to go. That's for sure. Oh no, it is, and it's very very popular, especially basically in a lot of French restaurants and. Michelin star restaurant. There probably isn't one Michelin star restaurant 
in Paris or in France that doesn't have a rooster hanging in their dining room. It's the symbol of, of greatness. It's the symbol of good food. And of course, when you have a couple of Michelin stars, you're up there. You, you've got a wonderful restaurant. Oh, that's great. So if you go to eat in any restaurants in New York and you see a rooster on the wall there, it could very well be one of Chef Tony's roosters. That's great. Yeah, and there's a couple of other chefs that basically paint. A lot of chefs um, do paint because a chef's eye actually every day is painting on a plate. So if he's if he's developing a recipe and he's putting it on a, on a dish and he wants that dish to look absolutely wonderful when it comes out to the uh, person eating it, well, that's art. Food basically is art. We eat with our eyes first. And then the rest of it comes when it gets to your lips. But uh, the the art is basically what makes people like food and what people why people want to eat food because it looks so great. <laughs> of course, that's for sure. So, what kind of tips can you give the average consumer? I mean, we talked about going into getting into the kitchen. And what kind of tips do you have out there for the average consumer? just to be able to you know, do more things in the kitchen? Should they prep things ahead of time? What if they want to do something that, that looks like they saw on some sort of cooking show or in a magazine? What, what, it, what kind of advice do you have just for the average folks who, who want to create in the kitchen? Well, my advice is that when you find a cookbook or you see a recipe that you really like and you see this beautiful plate of food, in a magazine, you have to remember something that most photographs are styled by a food stylist. You don't have to go to the extent that this is how you want your food to look. You can get it pretty close. But then also it's the prepping and the food itself. Try to take food that, or produce especially, or meat that you're comfortable cooking with. The price is negligible. It doesn't matter the price of the food or what you're paying for it. It's what you do with it when you bring it home, okay? And I like the freshness of things. I don't like to keep produce for more than two or three days in the refrigerator. Sure. Um, uh, keep your um, your vegetables in a cool, cold place to make sure that they don't wilt. So uh, try not to wash things prior to putting them away. Wash them when they come out of the refrigerator and then prep maybe an hour or two before you're going to use that item on meat products. Bring your meat products out about between 45 and 60 minutes prior to putting them on a grill or putting them in the stove, get them to room temperature so that the meat cooks evenly and that the circulation in the piece of meat is in there. And when the piece of meat comes out, especially beef, even pork, what you want to do is you want to basically let it rest for a little bit so it the moisture, you don't lose the moisture when you put a knife to it. Uh, simple things, and uh, right now I'm saying to everyone that the simplest recipes are probably the easiest and the best to do, and more is less. Don't try to put a lot of things a lot of uh, spices and herbs into what you're cooking. Go after the natural flavor 
of the product you're eating. I mentioned before, like nectarines or peaches, you don't need to add honey or a lot of sugar. Let that product release its own flavor profile to you. And most of those products have that if you've got them in a ripening condition. And that's really the secret, Dan. There's no secret of great cooking. Great cooking is in the person doing the prepping and doing the cooking. Try not to cook on high heat so that you don't scorch or burn what you're cooking. Get medium flame on the things. Keep an eye at it, on it. And if you're doing, say, like risotto or things like that, make sure you stand by the pot. It's one of those things where stand by your pot, man, and keep <laughs> stirring. And you'll come out with a beautiful, easy product. And a lot of people won't go near risotto. It's so easy to do. You can actually put risotto in the oven and do the same exact thing you can do on top of the stove without storing it. Really? And there's plenty of recipes out there. Uh, just go into the internet and, and look up risotto in the oven, and it'll tell you how to do it. And it's simple. The biggest request I get from people that call me constantly asking me, why do I have to stand in front of the stove and stir risotto? And we did, cre we did create a recipe that you could actually put risotto in a uh, an oven-proof baking dish and actually do risotto in the oven. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, doesn't risotto, isn't it, is it pasta? Isn't that what it is? It doesn't require... It... No, risotto, risotto basically is Italian rice to creamy rice. In other words, it creates its own cream when you stir it. Okay. And the old way of doing it, you can add broccoli, spinach, you can add any type of veggie you want, Parmesan cheese, mushrooms are great with risotto. And the, all of those kind of things... Basically, you have to stand in front of the stove with a wooden spoon and stir and add water, stir and add broth, stir, and it's just a lot of people don't want okay. to do it. So you came up with a different method? Yes. Okay. Doing it in the oven? Yeah. Okay. So what do you do? How do you do it in the oven? All right. So here's the simple part of doing it. Basically, you take your risotto and a little bit of olive oil in the bottom of the pan, stir the risotto into the olive oil, get it coated a little bit. That's like a tablespoon of olive oil and two cups of, of risotto rice. And then add two and a half cups of broth, any type of broth you want, chicken broth, beef broth, or water, your choice. Put a cover on it, stick it in the oven, 375 degrees for 20 minutes, and pull the risotto out of the oven. After 20 minutes of cooking, take the top off of it, take the balance of chicken broth or water, and add it to the risotto a little bit at a time, and keep stirring. Stir it for about two minutes until you bring all that creaminess back to the risotto, and it's ready to serve. Wow. There you go, folks. That's amazing and a lot <laughs> easier, like you said, than standing at the stove all day long. So, Well, you're only going to stand by the stove for two minutes versus okay, 20. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's great, Chef Tony. I love it. Okay, so we can find you on Facebook, and your website is cheftony.com, isn't it, right? Just had it. Yes, it yeah, is. Cheftony.com. Yes. You can check him out there. And his art. 
as well. You can see on the Facebook page. Chef Tony Marola, thank you very much for joining us today on Fresh from the Field Fridays. It's been a gas, that's for sure. It's been a lot of fun. I'm so sorry we had all kinds of problems getting hooking up together today. But at least it worked out. And anyone's got questions, they can just add it onto my Facebook. I'll gladly answer any questions or cooking tips that uh, you're looking to make life easier on yourself. Beautiful. Sure do appreciate it. Yeah, we conquered We conquered those tech problems. That's yes, sure. we did. Yes, we did. You're <laughs> makes a- me feel good. Okay. Thanks again, Chef Tony. Sure appreciate it. Dan, thank you so much. And... My nickname for you over the years has been Dan Dan the Produce Man. Take care of yourself, Dan. That's where I got it from. I got it from other folks. Thanks again, Chef Tony. You're welcome, brother. Hey, folks, be sure to tune in to the Produce Industry Podcast every Monday with Patrick Kelly, as well as the Produce Industry Show on YouTube. And don't forget about the Produce Industry app. You got to get that. Download that to your phone, your tablet, your watch, your whatever, whatever else you can download an app to. Download the Produce Industry app. It's a great resource. And don't forget to check out my YouTube and Rumble pages called Dan the Produce Man. And all my social media can be found at DanTheProduceMan.com. Until next week, this is Dan the Produce Man reminding you that it's always best when you get it fresh. You've been listening to Fresh from the Field Fridays with Dan the Produce Man. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor to get fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Produce Industry Podcast and at Dan The Produce Man. Until next time, see you in the fields or on the horizon.